You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 191 of the Comic Book Informer Podcast coming to you on November 11th. How you doing this week, Raj? I can't wait to play Overboard or Overwatch. It has nothing to do with <laughs> comics, but holy crap. <laughs> well, we, we can hope for a, a comic tie-in. Give us the backstory of the giant gorilla. I'd be That's all about awesome. that. Awesome. Freaking awesome. Anyways, sir, we can talk about comics now. <laughs> well, you know, I frequently like to start off an episode with surprising you with something. So I'm sending a link into Skype now. Oh, great. Okay. Hold on a second. Hopefully you haven't seen this already. Uh, where is the link? Okay. See, I have to edit out all these pauses after. What? <laughs> no way. That's got to yes. be a joke. Uh, on sale November 15th in Japan, uh, not, not in America, a, a special one-shot what-if crossover between Marvel and Attack on Titan. Oh, my where- God. Giant man-eating titans show up in New York City, and the Avengers have to fight them off. Oh, that is awesome! <laughs> oh, so I'm saving the picture. <laughs> Save image to download. I have a new wallpaper. <laughs> <laughs> that is, are you serious? Are you sure this is actually this real? is 100 percent legit? Why are we only just hearing about this now? If this was this is coming out like next week or this week. That's, I don't know. It's just the way it is. Did, did you say the 15th? The 15th. That's like in a few days. Yeah. No, 15th is a Saturday. They don't release this comics on Saturday. In Japan, they do. Oh, maybe I guess. Oh, dude. It's being sold in North America, though. As of right now, it's only in Japan. No. And the, the next issue of the Japanese pop culture magazine, Brutus. It's being translated into English, though, I hope. I, I don't know. Well, ask him. I'm sure somebody, if, if it's not official, I'm sure somebody will do it for you, Roger. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. I need to find somebody who lives in Japan who can mail me. <laughs> oh, please. I had playing cards mailed from Japan. I can get freaking comic book mailed. And those comics, their cards were awesome. Let me tell you. Okay. This this warrants more digging into. That is friggin' awesome. If the cover is there a picture of the cover? That's not uh, that, I no. wonder if that's the cover. No, that's not the cover. Man. The the cover is drawn by uh Hajime Isayama, who is the Attack on Titan creator, but he's not doing the actual comic itself. I would frame that shit. Put it up. <laughs> this the, the timing of the announcement is because also Universal Studios Japan announced it will erect a statue of the 49-foot-tall Aaron Titan battling the 46-foot-tall female Titan. <laughs> oh, freaking Japanese. <laughs> I swear I live in the wrong country. I know. That is so awesome. <laughs> Who else would do something like that? Oh, that is awesome. Wow. All right. Well, setting that aside and getting into our discussion for the week, it's finally here. It's finally happening. 
Spider-Verse is upon us. After all the buildup, all the tie-ins, it's time for more tie-ins. But we're actually getting started on the story itself as well. We're starting off with Amazing Spider-Man, issue 9, written by Dan Slott, art by Oliver Koipel and Justin Ponser. Man, there were a lot of spiders in this comic. I, I, I know that's kind of silly thing to say, but I wasn't expecting this many spiders to be in the first issue of the comic. See, I was because of the lead up for it. This is pretty much exactly what I was not just expecting, but also what I was hoping for. Like, I don't know whose idea it was, whether slot or the editors or publisher, to have this large a buildup leading to this event and the manner in which it was handled. I don't know whose idea it was, but whoever came up with it, it actually was a brilliant way to handle this as opposed to a lot of the, I'll bleep it, but clusterfucks we've seen in a lot of other events. This allowed us to get... Or are currently seeing. <laughs> yeah. This allowed us to get up close and personal with parallel universe spideys that we either a don't know about haven't seen in forever or you know any number of things so now we're reacquainted with them or discovering them and caring for them immediately i mean in these little short stories at the tail end of issues we've gotten enough story to get really invested in these unknowns so when you get to the actual event now happening, we have this attachment already to all of these spiders, which makes a huge difference in how the story impacts upon you then. Mm -hmm. At the lead of our story, we have uh, an assortment of the various spider characters, coincidentally, but not coincidentally, obviously, they were drawn together. And these poor mooks they were up against. <laughs> Doc Ock's former spider soldiers going on a crime spree. And they run into Spidey, Silk, Miguel, Spider Woman, and Spider Girl. And as if that wasn't enough, we also have Spider UK, Mayday Parker, and Spider Ham showing up as well. If you're a criminal and that happens, you that's like the universe telling you it's time to retire, right? Yeah. Yeah, there's there's other jobs available. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting by her absence, though, somebody I was really expecting to be a big part of this was Madam Webb. I'm going to assume she's going to be involved later down yeah. the line, but yeah. I was actually really surprised that uh, Jessica Carpenter wasn't anywhere in this issue. I think that's a big gun that they're holding back on purpose. Yeah, but uh, the way I, that I highly doubt Dan just forgot. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> her role is going to be fairly important. I mean, mm -hmm. just by virtue of the fact when you look at what's happening on the opposite side with the villains and their web and everything kind of thing, I think that her role is going to be very important. I loved how Peter reacted to all of these individual spiders. Yes. Some of them he knew, some of them he didn't. And, and the whole thing, it was, I loved that. I love, yeah, how... At this point in his life, Peter's seen enough weird stuff that he's just willing to go along with it even when the cartoon pig shows up. Yeah. And But even then, he's like trying to get a hold of trying to grasp the situation. But the instant Morloon's name was mentioned, he's like, Morloon? Yep. OK, let's, let's get go. out of here. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> you got a portal? We're, we're, we're through it. Everybody follow me. I thought that was brilliant as well. And I really like the way they came up with this sanctuary of – 
again, drawing onto that large backlog of what if comics, the what if Peter never gave up the Captain Universe power, <laughs> they go into that universe where, yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure they're safe there. <laughs> there. Uh, I, <laughs> I can't even put the words together. We've been really hyped about this event before it even started, throughout all of these little tie-ins. And this is one of those instances, as opposed to so many other events that we've seen, this is one of those where from the get-go, it's more than what I was expecting. I am that invested in this. I'm having so much fun. And the writing was fantastic. Fantastic. This was just really beginning to end above and beyond what I was expecting. And no lie, I was expecting a lot because of how much I'd been enjoying all those tie-ins. So tying in all of the spiders, including the couple of pages with Miles, including mm-hmm. the stuff. Oh, we haven't fills. gotten to that. Yeah, <laughs> there's just so much that it was, again, above and beyond what I had hoped for this event. It was, it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. A lot of other balls in the air going on here with uh, Kane, uh, Peter's yeah. clone, who wasn't as part of the, the spider gathering because he was currently getting whooped on by uh, Morlun's brother before he could be rescued. And, and another big plot thing they're holding back is, of course, they're purposefully not revealing to us who this old man spider is. Yeah. And that's, that's another one where we're like, okay, <laughs> I want to know, but I'm willing to give you some time. <laughs> and then, yeah, like you said, also with our brief look over to the Ultimate Universe with Miles and that version of Jessica Drew, she's still calling herself Black Widow. We'll I assume she's still she calling herself anymore, Black yeah. Widow. Yeah. Who have come under the attention of Morlun's mother, Verna. And I loved, again, the stuff that we're seeing with Verna, both here and in the uh, the team-up of how she has all of these trackers and hunters and hounds where we see, you know, her version of Craven the Hunter, Silver Sable, and I don't know who the third was supposed to be, but this is everything I love about about alternate universe stories where it's just, it's ridiculous. It's goofy and stupid, but in a good way because I love seeing how creative writers can be with different versions of characters we know and love. I agree. I agree. This like I said, beginning to end, absolutely loving it. Also, Oliver Koipel, he, this is the first time he's done at least the core Spider-Man series. He's long done a lot of Avengers and big event stuff. Not the best we've seen from him personally, but still amazing. Like, it's not an easy job to draw that many characters. And he knocked those big group scenes out of the park. Actually, I was fairly impressed i mean it's no freaking oh, no. famous it, but he's I, still amazing but i i've seen better from him personally but it's by no stretch of the imaginations it's not even average it's still fantastic yeah i yeah i i quite liked it again it's one of those where i would have preferred ramus but i would prefer ramus for pretty much anything <laughs> so that's just a bias that i have but this was fantastic the third uh, scout that we're looking at here is uh fireheart I don't yeah. know who that's supposed to be. I'm not. I got nothing. Okay. No, there it is. Mm-hmm. And then we also have the backup story, uh, again, written by Slot, art by Giuseppe Comancoli, Cam Smith, and Antonio Fabella. This is where we just kind of have a little check-in with Morlun's family, the Inheritors, and they're a dysfunctional lot. But what was interesting for me for this was uh, 
how they mention there are certain important spiders in the web, if you will. We, we've already learned that Kane is the, the known as the other, which this is going back to, you know, the, the Straczynski Spider-Man stuff where Peter Parker was always the man who thought he was a spider and they defined the other as the spider who thought he was a man. And that kind of ties into the character development they've been given, giving with Kane, where he's not a good guy. He's genetically a monster, but, you know, he's trying to be a normal person. And that really ties into his character. And they also mention two other aspects, the bride and the scion. I'm going to assume the bride is Silk and probably the scion is Peter. But I'm also I'm just like a minute ago, it occurred to me the scion might also be Madam Web. So, yeah. again, just elements and layers to the story that someone like me just latch onto, and I'm devouring this entire crossover <laughs> ridiculously. Yes. So much that I ran out of words. <laughs> All right, and that's going to lead us into the Spider-Verse team-up number one. The first, this is uh, two separate story uh, arcs in this one. First, we have uh, written by Christos Gage, art by Dave Williams, Dexter Vines, and Chris Sotomayor. This where we have a team-up with Old Man Spider and Spider-Ham, and this is how they recruit uh, the Ben Riley that we saw in the Amazing Spider-Man issue. And this is, again, going back to Verna and her uh, willingness to use minions. How They're fighting off like a half dozen different versions of the Vulture. And I'm recognizing I'm such a nerd. I'm like, oh, that's that's Vulture Noir. Oh, that's Ultimate Vulture. Like, it's, he's such like a C-list character, even by Spider-Man standards. And I'm just picking it apart and loving it. OK, I didn't recognize them all, but I still enjoyed the story. I didn't say I recognize them all, but yeah, they're more than not <laughs> put it that way and they they kind of tie into that cheesy spider-man thing where oh he could be one of the strongest of us all because he's got he, the optimism he can't see losing as a possibility so he can do things the rest of us can't and then just bring it back down to earth like yeah he's still probably gonna die though yeah as as great as this opening you know chapter has been you know there's gonna be a body count <laughs> And that's just that little reminder to us as readers that you're all going to be unhappy in one way or another by the time this is over. Yeah, I thought it was a little cheesy at points. But oh, it was I very cheesy. went into it expecting that. So it was still – it was a fun ride still. Mm -hmm. And then we also have the second story uh, written by Roger Stern, art by Bob McLeod and Andrew Crossley. And this in and of itself is huge because Roger Stern and Bob McLeod were two – of the creators who were very instrumental to Spider-Man back in the 80s. Uh, they both worked together on a number of issues, very influential stuff. Uh, so it's great to see some of the old school Spidey guys coming back to write a story. And in this one, we have Spider-Man Noir and Six-Armed Spidey. I don't even know if he has a name. I'm just calling him Six-Armed Spidey. That's his name. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Where they are, are going to recruit another Peter Parker, but find that he is in the hospital possibly dying because it turns out he was allergic to the spider bite and we have again it's kind of cheesy but the reactions of both of them when they see that may and ben are both with him because since they were in the hospital when the house was robbed uncle ben wasn't there to try and stop him and get shot so this is just kind of the uplifting story they basically end up removing the spider powers from him so that he can actually have the happy life that so many other Spider-Men have been denied. I thought that was awesome too. And it is one of those things where um, 
not every parallel universe has the exact same kind of cast. Well, they they do, but in different roles, kind of thing. <laughs> so it's it's kind of cool when they have that tie in, and you you have that 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 bond where that's like. It, it reminded me of the stuff that we'd been reading in Batman Forever, where Terry's going through the portal to spend time with his father, who's alive in that universe kind of thing. So I kind of like when they do that when it's well handled. Right. And what, like, it's, I, let me try that again. <laughs> it's not just me. <laughs> what we're seeing here with the Spider-Verse team up is at least the, these particular issues, they're not going to be really important to the overall story, I don't think, at least not at this point. But it still gives us extra story bits with these other Spideys. It gives, it gives them a chance to actually, you know, have character and their own development that would, possibly otherwise be overlooked in the larger series with everything that's going on. So they're not important per se, but they're still worth reading. They're still a lot of fun. Well, it's still context. So yes. it helps put it all into context when you look at them as they'll be working together and the relationships together as well, too. Mm-hmm. So. And we haven't even seen Doc Ock Spidey. Yeah, show no, that's the one yet. that's going to so be interesting. That's going to be a great Because you know one. it's going to be Peter coming across Doc Ock at some point. The, the the real Peter from that canon. So that's going to be something else to see. Mm-hmm. All right. And moving away from Spider-Man, there's another comic that <sighs> I felt we absolutely had to talk about. This You're not going to mention who's in the Spider-Verse team up next time? Issue two? I, I don't have I Gwen. That notes. Okay. It's the <laughs> Spider-Gwen. Oh, yeah. Okay. I recall. Sorry. <laughs> it better be better than the other issue. <laughs> Well, she was good in the other one already, where she's like, uh, I know we're a zillion miles away, but <laughs> secret identities, people. <laughs> yeah. It's always interesting when I see a number of people recommending you know, new comics around, hey, this is pretty good. You should check it out. But when guys like Warren Ellis, Jonathan Hickman, Matt Fraction, and Scott Snyder are all saying, hey, this comic is really good. You should check it out. You better bet that's going to get to the top of my queue. So out from Image last week was Tooth and Claw number one, uh, written by Kurt Busiek, art by Benjamin Dewey and Jordi Belair. And holy crap. Stop talking just about the art at this point. This was astonishing. This was what, 40, almost 50 pages, I think, of just character after character. Just these huge scenes, these gorgeous cities, all in unbelievable detail. I, there were points where I just sat there and stared at the page, completely ignoring what was going on in the story because this comic was gorgeous. Especially when you're looking at the cast of characters and the variety in the different animals and how they are um, cast not just as humanoid forms, but as magical humanoid forms. And also as magical human forms in almost like a Victorian era, you know, dress and things like that. There were so many things going on there that are the attention to detail for each of those elements is beyond what you could reasonably expect from a comic book artist. It, it was, yeah, like you said, beautiful to look at. Mm-hmm. For the story itself... I, initially, when I was kind of looking at the story, I was like, okay, it's, it's a little simplistic, if you will, of this race of you know, animal 
creatures, you know, as you said, humanoid animals that have gained magic powers and, you know, they live this life of luxury while the people like floating above the earth while the race is down on the earth labor. And, you know, it's your typical class division thing. But then they get into the parts with, you know, magic is failing, it's unraveling. And they try this huge spell to to fix things and end up you know, just utter destruction. But it was really when I started looking at it and analyzing it. And yes, the 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 premise of the story isn't anything ridiculous, but the way it's told and you know the characters and the amount of detail that's put into making this world. I don't want to say realistic, but fleshing it out and making it whole and not just a, a story construct. And just the like, well, like, like we were talking about last week. Was it last week? Yes, last week with you know magic and how how difficult it is. And at no point did they explain any of the magic that's being used here in the story. But you really get the gist of okay, we kind of know what they're doing. We know how they're doing. It doesn't matter how everything works. It doesn't matter you know how the energies are flowing. But it just really works from a storytelling standpoint of developing this entire world and all the characters in it and you know it all of the the interactions and the class struggles and all this and that it upon further inspection it really did come across as more deep than upon initial i was in the same boat in terms of um the first few pages i was not sucked in immediately because the well the first few pages are leading towards, again, building the world, showing you how things actually operate. And then also the using the trade thing between the dogs and the ox as a means of, of demonstrating that class struggle and things like that. So the, initially it wasn't hooking me in quite as much, but the moment they were at their little conference there where you had all of these people who use magic and the struggle with the warthog trying to do something about it. And you can tell her character immediately is one that is not necessarily um, bending to anyone's will or is someone who is going to respect that, the class structure, even within the upper class, which is obvious by how she addresses talent and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So they made her out to be, very interesting right from the get-go. And then from there, as you get into what is happening with the magic, and not really just that, but what is being done to try to save mm-hmm. it and, and failing, obviously, that there was so interesting that I could not put the issue down. And I was devouring it from that point. And like you said, it is long too. We're looking at like 46 pages all told. Like it was really well written. And then once you realize just how sucked in you are again, that puts that beginning scene a lot more into context and you appreciate it a lot more at that point, especially when they tie in the young pup at the end of the issue and the horror that he has to go through, then all of a sudden, all of that slow start at the beginning, it it flows a lot more smoothly. Yeah, absolutely. Let's put it this way. Kurt Busiek is a legend in the comics industry for a reason. He can take a, a simple premise like magic animals living in the sky and absolutely make it work. And like you said, how the, the characters came across, and that's the most 
impressive thing is these characters that we have no prior knowledge of it still are learning the world instantly each and every at least major character in the story you instantly knew their personality you knew everything you need to know about them as a character within a couple of word balloons and that is a very impressive feat yep and all that said the story itself could be completely cliched and completely standard and I would still love it because, my God, this is just a great-looking comic book. I cannot understate that or overstate that. It, it's just fabulously well-drawn, well-put-together. Line work, coloring, panel layouts, you name it. This is a masterwork in just making a comic book. Yep. And... I couldn't think of an interesting way to kind of put this stuff together, but I said, you know what? We're talking about Spidey and we're talking about the magic animals and <laughs> that's our episode this week. <laughs> Sometimes I try to, to make a common thread amongst them. Sometimes I don't even bother trying. So that's going to lead us into what we're reading for this week. Uh, first of all, I checked out the Marvel 75th anniversary celebration comic that they put out, and I actually really enjoyed it. Uh, the primary story was this article that Ben Urich is writing for wherever he's working now honestly i don't i'm going to assume it's the bugle uh and it's just kind of like a a love letter to the marvel universe really bringing things back to of course you know 1962 was such an important year for them with spider-man fantastic four hulk thor that was really when the marvel universe as we know it took off and of course he spent a lot of time discussing you know how things changed in his world, you know, their you know, fictional universe on that day, if you will, but also paying a lot of nice cameos and tribute to all the stuff that came before. And of course, Captain America, but some of their more obscure characters, you know, the Rawhide Kid, Millie the Model. It was, it was just a nice love letter to the history of Marvel. And yes, the Marvel as we know it really only existed for a little over 50 years, but the company has been around for 75. So yes, focusing on the important bits of it that everybody knows and loves, but also paying homage to the history before that, I thought was very nicely done. Cool. Uh, there are also some other backup stories in there. Uh, looks like Bendis might be bringing uh, the Alias comic back. Of course he is. She has a Netflix series starting soon. Uh, and there is actually a really cool Captain America story in there, which was the first thing Stan Lee ever wrote for Marvel. It was actually a two-page uh, prose, like, backup feature in an old issue of Captain America. So they brought in Bruce Timm, who did a lot of the uh, DC animation stuff, Justice League, Batman, all that stuff, and had him illustrate this ancient, at this point, Stan Lee story. And it was really cool. It was a lot of fun. It, you know, Obviously, incredibly goofy because it's something Stan Lee wrote in the 60s for Captain America. So you're not going to get, you know thrilling drama but again as like that time capsule and that celebration of history i really i thought it was really nicely done cool uh moving on guardians of the galaxy uh ben just finally finished off his three issue story uh telling what happened to richard Ryder and why star lord and drax and thanos are back and he's not <laughs> the best part of this is the fan reaction for two years now, fans have been going, what happened to Richard Ryder? You have to tell us what happened to Richard Ryder. Where's Richard Ryder? So Bendis told them what happened to Richard Ryder. He's friggin' dead. <laughs> and fans are like, no, why'd you do that? <laughs> I, overall, the story was, eh, it was pretty iffy. It, 
and taking away from the momentum that has been going in Guardians to go back and tell this little tie-in story, I, I could have done without it. it. It didn't really do anything for three issues, but the fans asked for it, the fans got it, and of course the fans are still upset about it. Uh, the latest issue of Gotham Academy, still a very strong comic. We're actually getting a lot of... Uh, more insight into Olive's character. There's still plenty of mystery surrounding it, but finally the mysteries that we, we know are going on at the Academy are, are finally being given context. So having all this weird stuff that's still going on, still unexplained for the most part, but now being able to kind of have a narrative line between it makes it uh, a lot more interesting from a story standpoint. And of course, it's still a gorgeous comic book. I didn't actually read the second issue yet, so... I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to that. Did you read the latest Chew, however? No, I didn't. Oh, okay. Not going to ruin anything then, <laughs> but this issue is dark. Okay, oh. stop now. Stop oh. now. Stop. <laughs> I will hang up on you. <laughs> Layman, you got some splaining to do. Okay, stop. Move on. And I'm going to move it on there and hand it off to you. Okay. <laughs> I actually got caught up on uh, Borderlands after you had talked about the last issue with Clap I Trap. saw you posted that little screen cap. <laughs> so I said, okay, well, I have to because I'd only read the first one. So I read the second one, which was fun to read as well. And then the third. This is, again, very much like the origin stories and things like that we're in. Um, it's very enjoyable if you didn't play the game. It's even more enjoyable if you are a gamer and even more enjoyable if you are a gamer who played the Borderlands games. So there are so many little nuances here and there that are something that you can tie directly to those games and to gaming in general. That panel that I posted where he's like, where the hell did that come out from? Like <laughs> all of a sudden, and it's a typical gaming thing. When you turn in a quest and you're dropping off whatever items you picked up for them, they appear out of nowhere. And it's the fact that the character addresses that in the comic I thought was hysterical. The claptrap dancing stuff was just was just great. <laughs> what did I tell you? They, they, they gave that goofy little robot so much character development. <laughs> well, him and the siren together dancing too. It was like, oh, God. Oh, yeah. This is just great. And I really... And I, I assume you're like me and as that panel was going on, you're going... Yeah. Check it out. I'm dancing. I'm dancing. So, yeah. And the art is... I love the art style. It fits the the comic and ties kind of in with the art style from the game i yeah these last two issues were fantastic loved them uh, batman beyond the alternating current story arc finished and basically um uh, higgins found a way to or higgins and siegel i guess yeah found a way to finally mend a little of that broken relationship between Bruce and Dick uh, and Barbara and Terry to a certain degree as well. So I, are you caught up with that? I am. Okay. So, yeah. So it was kind of, I don't want to say hokey. Um, Cliched is not quite as insulting (laughs) in that, you know, the near death of someone ties everybody back together. But at least you see that, you know, Terry's 
trying and admitting that it's not going to be easy, but you know, it's baby steps essentially. Let's see if we can kind of fix some of what's wrong here. How long that's going to last, who knows, because you can't really fix just how screwed up things have gotten for them. So, but I mean, it's a step in the right direction. And the truth is, of course, the near death of someone that important to you will have an impact in how your relationships move forward with them. So it, it makes sense in that regard. And with it being the final issue of the 2.0 era, I would assume 3.0 is somewhere in the near future. It, it served as a solid wrap up to that chapter. And now we can move on with, you know, a, a different story and exactly. with everybody in a different place. Yeah. Are you caught up with Injustice as well? I haven't read the last issue. Dude, stuff with Constantine and Batman is just so freaking good. It's just so freaking good. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the there those two should have a regular comic together is what I'm getting at. I would read that buddy cop comic I, absolutely. Yes. I would love that. So they're gone to see Madame Xanadu, which does not go very well initially. So I don't want to spoil it, but uh, it is freaking awesome. I <laughs> I love that she made a sign just for Constantine. <laughs> Enter freely and unafraid. And then there's a little note underneath that says, unless you're John Constantine. <laughs> so, yeah, it was it was freaking awesome. OK, I'll stop there. All right, then. Uh, on for our oh, new Oh, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Okay, sorry. Did you read the latest saga? Yes. Did it make sense to you? Did I miss an issue? Because things kind of shifted there and it didn't quite make sense to me. It made sense in that, you know, their occasional out-of-order, you know, non-chronological storytelling. Yeah, it, it made sense to me. Okay, it didn't to me. It was too out futurize and then with characters that we haven't seen either the 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 chick that's hunting them she have i missed something i seriously was looking for like i couldn't find my prior we've seen her before have we yeah when i mean not like it's been a while but like she's been shown like once uh they said well she once she heard that the will had died which he hasn't like there there have been little bits of her on the trail Okay, this seemed really right out of nowhere, and it seemed well it, for me reading it. It seemed out of nowhere in the same way so many previous issues mm. of the comic have seemed out of nowhere. Okay. Like they they they've used a disjointed storytelling style previously. So and it, I I was still okay with it. Okay, all right, that's it this time. For okay. Realities. As I was saying, this week's new releases. Marvel has a huge week for us this week. We have the all-new Captain America number one, Sam Wilson, the Falcon, as your Captain America, if you haven't been keeping score at home. Axis number five, sorry. Uh, Captain America and the Mighty Avengers number one, Guardians of the... Guard, uh, Guard, Guardians 3000 number two, Nightcrawler number eight, Nova number 23. We have Spider-Verse number one, which is another anthology series running alongside Team Up. I guess it's solo adventures, so they can't put it in the Team Up comic, but whatever. It's more Spider-Verse. I'm all for it. I'm all right with it. We have the new Superior Iron Man number one, and we finally get our second issue of Thor. Why Superior Iron Man? Why? Superior is Marvel's code word for kind of evil. 
Right. Apparently, this Tony Stark is going to be even more of a jerk than previous Tony Starks. <laughs> All right, DC, we have Batgirl number 36, Batman number 36. Absolutely looking forward to that one. Batman Eternal number 32, Constantine number 19, and Earth 2 Worlds End number 6. Pretty quiet week from Image this week. Really, the only thing that uh, is on my radar is we have the second issue of Witches. From Dark Horse, we have Prometheus Fire and Stone number three and Resurrectionists number one, which looks pretty interesting. Uh, written by Fred Van Lente. I like a lot of the stuff he does. IDW, we have Borderlands Fall of Firestone number four. And they're finally bringing the two Transformers comics back together into one with Transformers number 35. And then from Valiant, we have Archer and Armstrong, the 1% number one, uh, miniseries spinoff to that one. And Q2, the return of Quantum and Woody number two. So that's going to wrap us up here at Comic Book Informer. As always, you can find us online at comicbookinformer.com or on Twitter at CB Informer. So until next week, thanks for listening. And make sure to check out Popcorn Ronin. That too. No, seriously, tell them. <laughs> 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 yes, uh, we finally got another is- uh, issue. See, I'm calling it an issue yeah. out of out of habit. We got a new episode of our movie podcast, uh, popcornronin.com. Uh, it's a small little fun film, Robot and Frank. Really enjoyed it, but uh, go give it a listen and check that out. It was a fun conversation. Com- coming up on our next episode, which will hopefully be much more timely than our previous one, we're going to be talking about Big Hero 6. We talked about the comics a little while back, so now we're going to be talking about the movie over there. That's going to be awesome. Was that so hard? No. I temporarily forgot later, what we talked about two days ago. <laughs> I was like, yeah, Popcorn Ronin. What was our... What did we talk about? Oh, my God. <laughs> I have an excuse. <laughs> you do not. <laughs> All right.